everybody, this is Rudy Sarzo, and you listen to Diary of the Mad Man podcast right here. Come back and listen to it some more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast where we geek out about all things Ozzy and all things Ozzy related. I'm Mr. Josh Crum and with me as always is Mr. Dan Drago. How's it going, Mr. Dan? It is going fucking amazing. How you been, man? I am good. For the listeners who may not know yet, Dan and I are no longer virgins. We have finally <laughs> met. That's right. We hooked up. We got together. We met at the Phoenix airport where he picked my fat ass up and we drove to Hollywood and came back and spent some more time in Phoenix where I met his lovely family. So, Dan, now that you spent a little time with me, are you ready to quit doing the show with me yet? (laughs) I was going to send you a text here a little bit ago, but, you know, like, "Ah, I'll do a couple more episodes. (laughs) Hey, it was amazing, man. It's long overdue. And everybody was like, are you weird? You've never met him before. And I was like, not really. We talked. It was just like talking on the phone or doing our show. To me, it was no difference. We've known each other for about 12 years. And I was as comfortable as could be. And I assume you were the same way. The same for me, man. And I kept getting the same question. Like, oh, is that going to be weird? And I'm like, well, no, we truly aren't going to be having sex. And <laughs> it just really isn't that awkward. I've known the guy forever. I look at him on video all the time when we do these podcasts right. and stuff, which we don't typically record in video. We are, we've decided to start doing that now. But the same thing. I mean, you, you looked exactly like I expected. You acted exactly like I expected. And I'd imagine it was vice versa for you. Exactly the same. Um, the only thing that was kind of awkward is, we'll let the listeners in, is I had to drive through three hours of torrential downpour. And if you've yeah. heard anything about all the floods in eastern Kentucky recently, that's my home. And I was driving through that to get to the airport, and I was texting Dan and Ryan, and I'm like, fuck, these are the worst rains I've ever driven through in my life. Like, I can't see shit. And sure enough, it ended up like devouring the whole area where I live. Not my home directly, thank God. I did finally make it to the airport and got about three hours of sleep and woke up at 5 a.m. And I made it to Dan's house at what would have been 5 p.m. my time. Ended up being two or so his time, about 140, something like that. And so the uh, irony is real quick about the flooding is, you know, when you say, oh my God, this is the worst rains I've ever seen, you almost take it as like, oh, in jest, like, holy shit, that's the worst or the best. But you weren't fucking kidding, man. I mean, it's a national disaster. And my thoughts are with your area and all of the people that have passed and are suffering and are missing. I just can't believe what you went through. I mean, yeah, when you really real. sit down and look at it, I feel so bad for what's going on in your area. Yeah, it's rough. I think they got like 10.25 inches of rain in two hours. Something yeah. This doesn't even seem possible. You know, right? It's crazy. And I was driving through it going, fuck, I can't see. <laughs> like, yeah. shit. I, so it made for a very long drive to the airport. And it made for a long day. And by the time Dan picked me up, I was running on a Slim Jim. That's all I had all day was a Slim Jim. Dan's like, how are you doing, man? And my first words were, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> or or I thought you were going to be taller. One of yeah. the two. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to be taller and I'm hungry. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm running on a Slim Jim. We proceed to drive to Los Angeles and pretty much it's a six hour desert the whole way to Los Angeles. And I thought I was going to be famished before I actually got somewhere to get something to eat. So we stopped about halfway and we got Josh some grub and he perked up a little bit after that. And definitely the second part of the drive was a little easier for him, not for me. 
it definitely helped when I got me a little grub in my belly. And then, of course, Dan, the old man, had to pee. So he, he doesn't <laughs> even mention it. We're in the desert. There's You could pee literally fucking anywhere for six hours. He waits till we hit LA traffic and it's like, dude, I got to piss. And it's well, like, we don't, now? <laughs> well, we'd already stopped a few times, of course, because I am an old man. But yeah, fuck, dude, I had to pee so bad. And we hit standstill traffic. Like we weren't moving. I was freaking out. And anyone that's ever been to LA knows exactly what we're talking about. It it don't move. It's it's awful. It's the worst. Uh, I happened to have a McDonald's cup and I was like, man, piss in this cup. He tried like four times to piss in that cup and cut it. He had stage fright. I was rolling. So if people want to know what Dan and I's first experience with each other were, it was him seeing me starve to death and hangry. And then me seeing the old man trying to piss in a cup in the middle of LA traffic, you know, on the 10, just couldn't get it out. So it it was fucking, that's, Put us off to the perfect start for sure. Really? I meet Josh for the first time face to face and I'm whipping my dick out in the car trying to piss. I felt so bad for you, dude. And I'm driving and trying to steer and pee. I got stage fright. It was hard, man. Dude, don't worry. I couldn't even see it. It's no big deal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just couldn't see it because it was so far down into the cup. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, once we finally get to LA, man, I'm a gamer. I perk up. I'm full of energy and we decided to hit the sunset strip you know what better for two rock and roll heads to do in los angeles and hollywood on a thursday night than hit the strip so before we get there let's talk about how we were even selected before we even get to the trip so i had reached out to sirius xm josh had reached out to sirius xm and asked to be a part of this listening party that their aussie was doing for patient number nine which i put a little nice little blurb about our podcast about being a lifelong fan and how much it would mean to me and it just it did mean a lot to me so shockingly i got selected i got selected on a tuesday at about two or three o'clock my time and i my jaw hits the floor so i pick up the phone and i call josh and i said dude i just got selected by sirius to go to their building meet ozzy and hear the record and you know josh is like oh that's great man i'm happy for you but the whole time i'm like dude i could bring a guest man i mean get ready you're gonna be coming with me and it was awesome because i don't think he realized that i was asking him to go with me i truly never realized you were asking me to go with you i, I really did and i just it's never crossed my mind that way i was just truly happy for you and it's so funny because you're telling the story of what all you put in the letter all they asked for i submitted and all i put was i live in kentucky but i could be there <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't get chosen first. I don't know, but but I do appreciate so much you calling me with it. And no, I was just happy for you, man. I'm not the kind of guy that hates on other people or that, you know, when you called me and said you got selected, I genuinely was just extremely happy for you. And I was like, how fucking cool is that? You're going to get to hear the record, you know, like, let me know how it sounds when you get finished, you know? And, <laughs> and Dan's just so calmly goes, like, it occurred to him that I do not realize he's inviting me. And he says, dude, I'm inviting you. You can go. Right? And I was just like, what? Of course. Like, oh, shit. You can bring a guest. I was like, fuck yeah, we're so, going. So then yeah. I'm in like freak out mode trying to book flights and figure it all out. Cause literally I had no time, you know, and last minute flights are expensive and so on and so forth, but we got it worked out. It was cheaper for me to go ahead and fly to Phoenix anyway. And that kind of worked out. Cause it kept Dan from having to drive by himself. So I right. flew to Phoenix and he picked me up and I just rode up to LA with him. It was an amazing experience front to back hanging out and meeting Josh for the first time was great. And of course the event itself, which we will get into was fantastic. All right. So we're back first night. We get to LA and we're at the rainbow room. Yeah. We decided let's go to the sunset strip, right? Let's go to where it all began for most of these bands. And sadly the sunset strip really was very dead. 
when we Desolate. got there. There wasn't a whole yeah. lot going on at all. I've been before. I think Dan's been to the strip before, but you know he hadn't really been into the rainbow. So I said, the rainbow has good food. Let's go on the rainbow and eat. And uh, they built the Lemmy statue right after I was there the last time. So I wanted to see the Lemmy statue. And of course, Dan's a huge Lemmy fan, a Motorhead fan. He wanted to see the statue. So we go to the rainbow and eat and uh, had a great time. You know, we really always enjoy the rainbow. I love their food. And I just love the atmosphere and the aura of knowing the history of the room. You know, it's just so cool. And one thing they had in there that had changed since the last time I had went was, you know, Ozzy had his ordinary man listening party after party at the rainbow. And they had the photos up of Ozzy with Chad Smith and Ozzy with Watt. And they had the photos in the booth, like in places where they actually were taken. And that was really fun. I wish me and Dan had seen that before we sat down. We'd have sat in that booth for sure. Right. <laughs> like no yeah. question. Instead, we were in a booth that was highlighted by the great Lord Iomi right to our left over there, which was awesome too. But matter of fact, uh, we originally got put into a Led Zeppelin booth, but we just got up and walked over to the Iomi booth. It seemed only fitting. <laughs> we but, did. We're like, we're like, fuck <laughs> this. We're going to sit with Tony Iomi. We're not sitting here with fucking Zeppelin. No way. Nah, so don't hate on us, but nah, we would much rather sit with Lord Iomi than that for sure. It was my first time there. It was an amazing experience. Actually, it was one of the highlights for me being there. It was so cool just eating and hanging out and them jamming metal and all of those pictures. It's it's like a museum. And then you go outside. It's called Lemmy's Lounge. And it's got that great statue. It's got a whole bunch of Motorhead memorabilia, a shit ton of Aussie pictures, which I was really, really happy with. It was an amazing experience. You have to at least go to the Rainbow at least once if you're a rock Absolutely. fan. Absolutely. And since Lemmy has passed, they've really turned into a bit of a shrine for Lemmy. Yeah. Like it's clear how much they love that man, how much he loved them. And it's cool. It's cool that they are continuing to, to honor his legacy for just being there all the time. And no doubt he's helped that place over the years stay in business. I mean, let's be honest. It's not what it used to be as far as that strip goes. Obviously, we were there on a Thursday night and it was literally more or less empty. Right. And I'm sure people would pop into the rainbow all the time just to see if Lemmy was there. To be honest, you know? I love that you said that because to me, the rainbow was let's go see Lemmy's hangout. That's really what I thought. More than let's go see where all of those bands in the 80s and 70s hung out after their shows on the strip. I just associate it with Lummy. I think it's a very fair argument. Yeah. So that was cool. So we hung around the strip most that night. As we're walking up to the rainbow, we decided to go eat at the rainbow. As we're walking up, what do we see up in the sky right in front of us? But a patient number nine billboard. So that was pretty fucking cool to see the Oz man on a beautiful billboard. A well-lit, well-noticed area too, by the way, of the Sunset Strip. And, of course, we had to get a photo with that in the background because that was the whole purpose for our trip. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Yeah. I thought it was – that's one of my favorite pictures we took, to be honest. So, uh, that said, it was kind of a short night. We both retired. I had traveled for, like, I don't know. We done the math. I think it was, like, 17 hours or something. Yeah. I had traveled. Something Straight. like that. It was, it was nuts. So, and I'm a gamer, but, man, at some point, you got to tap out. But, ultimately, me and Dan were there for a much bigger purpose, and that was early the next day. And we knew we wanted to be revved up and ready for the events of Friday, the 29th of July. So when we were booking this, I wanted to make sure when I booked the hotel, and Josh was really adamant about this too, that we were close to the Sirius XM headquarters. Because you booked something seven miles away, now we're looking at probably a 40-minute drive. In the invite too, they said parking can be dodgy and a little difficult. So we thought, fuck it, we'll walk. So we were about a mile from the whole place. And I was in jeans, a pretty thick Aussie shirt, and I was sweating my Balls off walking, man. We had stopped by Starbucks on the way and got a real hot coffee. So by the time I got there, I was sweating. And if anybody knows me, I'm totally metrosexual and worried about my hair and my looks and all this other stuff. They were so fucking friendly. So we get to the building and we walk in. First thing that happens, they can't find me or Josh's name on the guest list. 
And I'm sweating already as it is. Now I'm starting to sweat even more. Josh is like, relax, Dan, relax. We'll be fine. The lady behind the counter gives me a paper towel to start blotting all my sweat off my face. She was amazing. Actually, it was great. To be fair, Dan, he was definitely sweating it. But that lady asked him his name like five fucking times. Like she could not see it. Yeah, she was the strangest thing. So then she holds it up and she says, do you guys see the names on here? And all me and Dan do is see names like Tony Iommi. And we're Zach like, oh, Wild. Shit. I'm not even looking for my name. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just we're, looking at who's going to be there. We're seeing guest list names and just over there, like ready to jack off, thinking these guys are going to all be there. I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. They were not all there. Tony Omi was not there. Um, in my Dan's opinion, we totally have no knowledge of this, but Tony played that Commonwealth Games or whatever over in the UK like the night before. We almost yeah. wonder if he wasn't supposed to be there initially. That's but that I got think. canceled for that event, which I can totally understand. That's something way more for him, way more personal to him. Yeah, so we're sweating. But finally, I see it. I'm like, right there. Daniel Drago, Josh Crumb were back to back right there. You know, And the lady's like, oh, there. Okay, yeah, there you are. But to echo what Dan said, one thing I've told all my friends who have asked me about the event, I cannot stress enough. And I do want to say this on the air in case someone hears it. Everyone at Sirius XM is first class. They are the friendliest group of people I have ever dealt with in a situation like that. They were just all above and beyond friendly. Yeah, I have never felt so welcome in anything like that in my life. They were all amazing. From the front desk people to the people that took us to the back to the guys that, you know, like were checking our name again to make sure and to give us our wristbands. Everybody was amazing. Yeah. Friendly enough that I was kind of comfortable. I was like, you know, Dan has the emails. And if our name's not on this list, I think we're still going to be okay. Like, I yeah. never felt like they're not going to allow us to come in this building. You know, it's, it's never felt that way. Matter of fact, she was kind of like, all right, we'll start the process. And then you found our name. I found and you're like, names, yeah. yeah, you were like, oh, we're right there. Of course, I was like, oh, thank God. I hate to Look. say this, but I'm going to throw it out there. It's funny. Fuck it. I think she struggled because you said Dan and it said Daniel on the list. I, 100%. I think that's what it was. <laughs> Yeah, I think I so. But Josh Crumb said Josh Crumb, so I don't yeah. know. But I, I do think that was kind of the issue there. So Absolutely. I said Dan, <laughs> and I was under Daniel. I agree. That yeah. was the problem. Yeah. We get through the entryway, and then we get led to the back area, and we're kind of like in a line to still wait to get in. And they confiscate our phones at this time, and they put wristbands on us to confirm that we had our cards, and we were who we were. We were basically allowed to go in at this point. I was totally okay with my phone being confiscated. I wanted pictures, but I understood. They didn't want us really snapping pictures the whole time. And mainly, they didn't want us recording the record, which Josh and I would have done. Uh, let's just be honest. And I, I wouldn't have never given it to anybody. It would have just been for me and him. 100%. But it, there's no it, way it I wouldn't have. If I had it, it would have went to three people, you and Ryan. And yeah, that's it. That's it. Exactly. But that said, most people, sure as the world, it would be on YouTube in no time, right? Or whatever. Yeah. And I totally understood that also. Yeah. So then we gave them their phones and then we get led into this like this outside lounge area, which was really nice. At least we got out of the sun and we were in there for what, about 20 minutes, you'd say? About that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happens? Jose Mangan walks in and I'll let Josh take over from here. So Dan had kind of mentioned to me when we were discussing the trip and he's like, man, I was like, you know, who knows who could be there? And Dan's like, hey, I found in the room with these people that's cool and i was like dude not me i'm the mouth of the south jimmy josh crumb son i don't give a fuck <laughs> like i will yell at anybody from anywhere when i met sharon i yelled at her from across the room and got her attention and brought her over i don't care so sure enough as jose walks in what do i do jose right. you know and just get him right to our table immediately and i just want to throw out there the nicest motherfucker on earth by period. far he was so awesome he genuine took, yep he was so cool, such a chill dude. He talked to us for a good 10 minutes outside. 
at least 10 yeah. minutes. And enough also that he had this bag and he just started showing us his shit he had in this bag. And it was um, these printed, like they weren't framed as much as they were prints of him and Ozzy over the years. These photos of him and Ozzy. They were really gorgeous pictures. And they were beautiful. And I thought about it later, Dan. I bet he wanted Ozzy to sign those. Yeah, of course. I think he even said it. Okay. I might've missed yeah. him saying that, but yeah, they were just beautiful. And I was like, fuck, these are so cool. He's like, you guys are going to love these. Check them out. And then of course we started talking, you know, Pantera reunion slash tribute concert. He's all jazzed about that. Everybody knows he loves Pantera. And he's like, I'm getting so pissed about the backlash. You know, this isn't a reunion. It's a tribute show and tour. And it's just, it's all in honor of Vinny and Dime. And he was going on about that. And, uh, he's great, man. So then he finally goes inside and they invite us all in right Dan? Yeah. Unfortunately, Josh and I were kind of bullshitting and we weren't standing right by the front door. So we didn't get like the front row. So we get into the studio and it's very small. I mean, it maybe holds 40 people and 10 of those were probably Sirius XM employees like DJs, maybe 40 people in the room. We got the last row, but still it was done in stadium style seating. So that helped me since I'm not as tall as Josh thought I would be. And I was up high and we just had a great view of the stage. I was actually okay being as high as we were because we had such a clear view. So we get into our seats and really at this point, Jose is the host. Jose's sure. talking to everybody, making sure he's letting us know what's going to happen when the guests will get there. So the first thing that happens is we're going to listen to the record, which I'll be honest, that is the main reason I'm there. Of course, yeah. I wanted to see Ozzy and meet Ozzy, but for me and Josh, and I don't mean to speak for you, but it's about the music. I mean, we are diehard Ozzy fans. We cannot wait to hear the record. You guys know how we are. We're bringing you our reactions the night songs get released to singles. So I yeah. was salivating at the opportunity to hear the record. Yeah. For me, it was about listening to the record also. And I have met Ozzy before. You've met Ozzy before. I never dreamed I'd meet him again. So being in a room with him, and when I say a room, let's be clear. Like Dan said, it was not a big space. So like it was a room was amazing. But ultimately, I was there for the record. And also the thought of I will always remember the first time I heard this album, Ozzy Osbourne was in the room. Right. You know, and it was kind of like that was amazing for me as a thought also that like sharing the moment of, you know, like me and Dan and Ryan call each other and share the moment of our first listen. So sorry, Ryan, you weren't there. But Dan and I listened to this one with Ozzy Osbourne, like literally right there. So he wasn't in the room just yet. We'll get to that later. But still, yet yeah, it was a listening party for us. And, you know, the Sirius XM guys, like, like Dan said, they were there listening to it also. They wanted to hear it themselves. And uh, if I can give just a little detail, I know, Dan, this is totally his story and I don't want to stay on it but like when we walk in they do have in the background a giant big screen that has the album cover on it and of course on each side they have the aussie's boneyard cover right and they have four chairs up front of that and they're beautiful like beautiful black chairs and they have microphones this you know attached on booms in front of them so we're assuming four guests or so we don't know exactly who all is going to be there and uh, at some point as we're sitting there i'm going to go ahead and spoil this one real quick it turns to the back cover and dan and i salivate the back cover is fucking Gorgeous. Gorgeous. It's amazing. So if you follow us on social media, you know that we are cool with the album cover. We like it better than the Ordinary Man cover. We like it better than Scream by a long shot. But there's been a few photos that we thought could have been the cover and been better. Well, here's another one. The back cover looks better than the front cover. Dan, do you want to kind of describe it to the listeners? Yeah, it's kind of Ozzy in profile, a half profile with him praying. And they kind of have another gold background behind him. But it's a little bit more elaborate and a little bit cooler, I think. But he just looks really classy. And I just think it would have been a great album cover. It's classy. Classy. It's classy. It's a beautiful photo. And the photo shot behind him 
isn't as busy as the main front cover. Correct. So it made it look a little bit better. It still has the golden black vibe. It totally matches the front cover. It's going to be a beautiful set to get all together. No question about it. It's going to look great on vinyl. But of course, Dan and I, we were always competing with everything. Like, oh, that, that would have been a better cover also. You know, like, damn it, that's so fucking cool right there. You know, like, oh, we love that. Okay, so then Jose comes in, as Dan was saying a second ago, and just explains to us what we're going to do. And he just says, hey, we're going to be the first in the world. Because I want you guys to realize, he said, soak this in. You are the first people in the world to listen to this record, essentially outside of anyone that worked on it. Or maybe a friend of Ozzy or Andrew Watt who may have just checked it out. That's mind-blowing, Josh, honestly, that you and I had that honor. I mean, when you really say it like that, it's fucking mind-blowing. Yeah. So there was probably, including the SiriusXM folk, under 30, for sure. I, Dan says around 30. I go around 25. It could Either way, I mean, that's about the same, right? And we're two of them. And we're hearing this record six weeks in advance. You know, that's another thing I was telling some people at work and things like, if we heard it four days before release, whatever, that's cool. But dude, we, like, we're hearing this shit fucking early, like early. Yep. And Jose made that really sink in. He's like, you know, let this soak this up. Like you guys are in a special group of people that get to do this, you know, well in advance, man. And this is fucking cool. This and you know, Jose's just so energetic anyway and so passionate. This is fucking Aussie, man. You know, like how fucking cool is this? You guys are here right now and you just fucking gotta love that guy. Yeah, his energy is contagious. Him and Andrew Watts, but we'll get to Andrew in a little bit. But Jose really is a fan. And that's what really comes through. And we're all fans in that room, but he was such an awesome host. And he kind of ran the show at this point. So what they did is they had the track listing on the screen with the back cover that Josh had mentioned. And right away, we could tell we're listening to it on vinyl because Immortal was the first track and not Patient Number 9. So if you've been paying attention, on vinyl, Immortal is going to be the opening track on CD. And we believe streaming, Patient Number 9 is going to be the opening track. We believe somebody probably made a mistake because you master differently for vinyl. You send a totally different master to a vinyl plant. So I believe somebody mixed up the order. So it was really cool. They would move the track listing while we were listening to the songs. You know, sometimes they'd fuck up. I'd always laugh. Like off of patient number nine, they'd move it off. They moved it off twice early. Yeah. You know, and then they'll put it back. A second and then they they put it back. It, yeah. You know? It was done really professionally. So they showed you who was playing guitar on each track. So it was definitely very classy and very well done. The screen was gorgeous. Imagine a big movie screen with the back cover on it and the album track listing sit there. Yeah. So we are aware now that we're going to open with Immortal, which makes us pretty excited. You know, we haven't heard this one yet. And we're going to get to the details at the end of the episode for track by track, our thoughts on the songs after only one listen or a couple. And uh, we'll describe more about that later. <laughs> no, we did not record anything. So Jose lets us know, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to the album. We're going to give you a card, write down a question or two. And after the listening is over, you're going to take your cards and then we're going to begin the album release special for Sirius XM radio. And this is to be filmed and audio recorded for a play on the radio with the audio and also the film they put on their websites and stuff. They did it for ordinary man, just the official album release party. So this was what was being filmed while we were there. And to be honest, until we got in the room, we didn't even realize that's what it was. We just right. it, it just said after party with guests. We didn't realize it was actually the album release party until the day of the show. <laughs> I'm asking Josh while we're waiting in line, do you think they'll have like hors d'oeuvres and food in the after party? Uh, we thought we were going to be mingling. I'm just you know what I mean? cheese nabs. I don't give a fuck. I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know what the fuck to expect. We just thought we'd listen and then maybe be moved to another room where we'd walk around and mingle and talk to people. But it was not that at all. We were like in the audience of the Sirius XM album release party, which I actually prefer. It was special. For sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was much better. And, you know, with COVID right now, they don't really want mingling anyway. Like they don't really need Ozzy parading around a bunch of people. He don't need, I mean, I know he's been doing comic cons and shit, but typically, you, you know, you don't want to do that anyway right now. As a matter of fact, we did have to wear masks throughout the entire event. Yes. Jose says, you know, once the album's over, we'll take a short break. Then we'll bring Ozzy and guys in here and we'll begin recording for the Sirius XM album release special. So we start listening to the record and Josh and I are just jerking off. I don't know how else to explain it. And we'll get to the whole album itself, but we want to go through the whole experience. But I do want to say I was kind of a little bit bummed out how many people talked during the listening party. To me, people didn't have their phones and they just don't have any attention span. Right away during the second song, I'm tapping the guy in front of me on the shoulder like, come on, man, stop talking. And he did. I mean, I got to give him credit. He didn't talk the rest of the album, but people were just talking. I mean, I was giving so many people dirty looks because it's like, what the fuck are you here? I mean, Jose just said we are one of the first people in the world to hear this record, which if you're an Aussie fan, this is like huge. But you're here talking. I just shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah, it was kind of strange. And Dan and I, when we would speak, don't get me wrong, like we like we'd nudge and be like, "Dude, that fucking groove right there, shit." You know, but yeah, it was yeah. brief and it was kind of quiet to ourselves. Or, or we'd write and, something and point to it. You know? Yeah, totally. We took detailed notes because we're fucking nerds. And to describe the room a little more, on the right hand side where that wall was was kind of glass, but they had the other side kind of darkened, but you still could see people walk by. So we're like three tracks in, and I nudge Dan. I'm like, dude, it's like, well, it's like Zach Wild just walked through, and like Zach's over there just walking by. So you're like, oh, Zach's here. Okay, that's cool. So so Zach's going to be here today, obviously. And my dream became fulfilled of hearing the album with Ozzy officially during the track "Mr. Darkness." When I nudge Dan, and he's like, well, I was like, fucking Ozzy just walked in, and there's steps on the opposite side, and Ozzy's coming down the steps, and. Literally, I got cold chills right now. Like, it was just like, fuck, we were officially listening to the record with Ozzy in the room yeah. now. Like, Ozzy is here. And the whole and, crowd uh, just erupts. When, yeah, when everybody starts cheering once, they, once the word yeah. is at the Ozzy. You, you can see it's just a glass wall, you know. Right. And, uh, of course, at that point, everyone got excited at the emergence of the Prince of fucking Darkness, our Lord and Savior, as Jose would say. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, I got chills amazing. right now, man. That was, a, that was a great, great, great moment. We believe we Jack, Jack took him. Yeah, Jack yeah, took we, him. We could see Jack back there. Jack was there. Jack, unfortunately, never made an appearance in the room, like never came into the actual studio section of it, but he was there. We saw him. And um, then we'd continue to listen to the record, though. I mean, ultimately, yeah. Dan and I are jacking off over the record. No question about it. So then the record ends. We'll go through the songs and everything here after we're done telling you about the experience. And then Jose comes back in and he says, all right, we're going to start the show in about 15 minutes. Stretch your legs and stand up. And if you need to use the bathroom, use the bathroom. And then this is where my good friend Josh's big mouth came in as a super positive. And I say, Jose, Jose, at this point, and me have become buddies. Okay. So, like, <laughs> yes. not only did we chat before the event, but we had a moment. We all chatted. No escape from now, where I had my head down, tapping my foot, and I was pumping my fist in the air like Metalheads fucking do with the horns up during a Rip and Tony Iommi moment of that song, right? And I look up, and Jose's pumping his fist, and we eye contact. Metalheads know when you eye contact with another metalhead, and you're just kind of like, yeah, motherfucker, I feel you. That groove right there, I feel it. So at this point, I feel pretty close to Jose. I feel comfortable. And when he says we have a 15-minute break, I perk right up and say, Jose, I have a request. And he's like, yeah. I said, if we have to wait 15 minutes, can we hear Immortal one more time? That track was fucking slamming. And Jose says, I don't know. Let me check and see. And I'm thinking, well, you run this fucking rock. You are right. the rock director. Fuck them. Go play it. But uh, he's like, Scott, 
I guess the dude in the symbol's name was Scott. Yeah. And he says, uh, we have a request. Can we hear Immortal one more time? We can. That's cool. Okay, good. Well, if we're taking requests, I want to hear No Escape from Now one more time also. So then Jose puts his request in. <laughs> which was and awesome. we got to hear Immortal and No Escape from Now twice. twice so that was pretty was, fucking cool. That yeah. was great. That Thank God for your big mouth, man. It was beautiful. <laughs> I told you, man. It kinda, there's times <laughs> it will embarrass you to death. There's other times it's fucking excellent. You just got to yeah. kind of take the good with the bad. So after that, then everybody gets back in their seat and then they bring in the guests. So Josh and I really were fortunate here because they bring in Ozzy and Ozzy is sitting right in front of us. He is stage left. And then next to Ozzy is Andrew Watt. And then it's Zach Wilde. And then the host is Billy Morrison, which just makes sense since he does Ozzy speaks. So they all come in, sit down and, that's when it was just magical, man. And because, it also just makes sense because I ripped Billy Morrison's head off on our last episode, but that's beside the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, it, so Ozzy, look, he sounds great. He's mentally 100% there. A lot of our listeners are going to ask. I would say physically, he's still struggling. He's using a cane. He's hunched over. His steps are about six inches. I would say six inches. They were yeah. complete baby steps. So he definitely is struggling moving around still. I don't think he'll ever be the same, unfortunately. But his spirits were fantastic. And most importantly, his mind was 100% there. And he was awesome mentally, for sure. He was in the moment. And if you did watch the Ordinary Man special for the listeners, I know Dan watched it and I watched it. During the Ordinary Man special, there was a lot of moments where he didn't even seem to know what the songs were about. Like there was a lot of moments of like I remember they asked him about goodbye at one point. And he just looked at Andrew and was like, "What?" Like you know, and we we're like, "Well, I probably had a working title that he didn't know that the name goodbye or whatever." Like, we, we you know, we're trying to make excuses or come up with the reasons of why he doesn't know what's going on, and they could very well be legit. But I will say that during the listening special this week. He was very much in the moment and knew a lot of what he was talking about and had very good answers uh, for the questions he was posed. Especially since this record was recorded probably a good two years ago. And yep. we'll get into that too a little bit about some nuggets we found out. I mean, just think about it. He wrote and sang these songs two years ago, so he might not even remember what some of these songs are about yeah. anymore. I mean, some of these songs were written before Ordinary Man came out. Yeah, so exactly. we know that for a fact, right? He, he's told us that. Matter of fact, I think patient number nine was one of them. He's mentioned that song for two years. Right, 100%. So I don't blame him, but he's there. He's functioning great. He was funny as fuck. Zach Wilde was funny as shit. But I will tell you, Andrew Watts' energy is infectious. I just love the guy. I do and too. I am so grateful for Andrew Watt because he is really, I think, prolonging Ozzy's life. I'm going to say that. And he's giving us some great fucking material. I'm so grateful for him. He's given Ozzy hope also. He's given Ozzy something to live for outside of, of course, his grandkids and so on and so forth. But yeah, he's really doing a lot for Ozzy and for his fans. And we really need to appreciate that more than a lot of fans do. Like you said, Andrew's energy is contagious and his passion is contagious. And I just don't know how anyone can hate on that guy. I just, I just don't get it. So Ozzy was at the end right in front of us, stage left. And with his Parkinson's, he's moving a lot. I felt like his left leg kept moving a lot. Yeah. And, and if, I go, if I can just jump in there real quick, Jay, I'm sorry. At first, when we sat down, I was like, fuck, we're in the corner. Damn it. And then when Ozzy came out and sat right in front of us, I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, got, right it was perfect. <laughs> we couldn't have had a better seat to be it honest. It been fucking perfect. Yeah. yeah. So it, fuck, fuck yeah. So Ozzy was moving his leg a lot. So much so, two things happened a lot. The microphone kept moving 
And Andrew Watt was always taking care of Ozzy. He was moving a microphone, make sure it was in place in front of Ozzy's mouth. And then there was another time Ozzy's chair almost completely slid off. the. It was slowly moving where it almost was going to fall off the stage. And they had to stop the show for a minute and kind of drag the chair back. He's just could see the Parkinson's a little bit, but I just think he's got that energy too. He had a lot Mm -hmm. of energy. I felt like. If you see Aussie footage, though, from the 1980s, he was always putting his leg on his knee, taking his leg down, putting yeah. his leg on the other knee. I mean, he's always been jittery. Taking the mic away. on, take, putting the mic off, take, right? Exactly, I mean, exactly, right? Yeah. I mean, he's always done that. It's not new. I think you throw the Parkinson's on top of that. And, you know, I thought about this. This sounds like the most ridiculous excuse, but I've done it. You ever sit in a chair? It's just fucking slick. Yeah. You need to keep kind of sliding up in the motherfucker. I think the chair was slick. They were leather. They were probably clean to look nice and polished and shit. He, I think he was just sliding all over the fucking chair. Agreed. So he was forevermore just sliding up in the chair to get comfortable. And as he would, the chair would move and the microphone would move. And I'm like, Dan, I really appreciate it. As a fan of Ozzy Osbourne and someone that, that loves the man so much for all he's done for me, I appreciated watching Andrew Watt take care of him as a caregiver. And he really does. You can tell he's under his wing all the time and that Andrew just watches him. And takes yeah. care of him. And I feel like that's probably the way it is in the studio. He's just always kind of watching dad and making sure that he's taken care of. And it was really enduring to watch. I really appreciated that. But it was fun to see the chair move and move and yeah. move until they finally are like, fuck, we got to stop the show. Like, oh, this is going to fall off the fucking floor. <laughs> like, this is going to happen. Matter of fact, every time they were playing the song while they were in the room, they were talking. Andrew would lean over, talk to Ozzy, tell him something tell about the song, about somebody in the audience, just constantly interacting with Ozzy, yeah. nonstop. So, Dan, let's let the fans in real quick on how they did that. So, just so we're clear, they played the album in its entirety for us. Then they brought Ozzy and the guests in, and then they would go track by track for the show also. But in the studio, they would play the first 15 seconds and about the last 15 seconds of yeah, each song. Exactly. And they're going to punch that in for the broadcast as it goes out, you know, over the airwaves and so on and so forth. And like Dan said, it was so fun to watch Ozzy and Andrew communicate during the snippets they would hear because they did that continually throughout the night. They both love the album so fucking yeah. much. I think the highlight for me, and I told you this, was when Ozzy would be singing the song, he'd be mouthing the lyrics, sitting there on stage in his chair. And to me, that was like, yes, he fucking loves this. And he loves obviously it. he's really with it, right? So he's sitting there, he remembers the lyrics, everything. So, yeah. you know, he's sitting there singing along with it. And to me, that was like, fuck yeah. Love and Andrew Watts air guitar in the whole fucking The whole time, time. nonstop. You know, and, when I, and I don't mean to Watts parts. I mean like the Zach solos and shit. Like he's air guitar in the Tony's whole time. Parts, yeah. Just so they both love the record so much. And Ozzy even would comment. You could hear, he's like, I wish they'd play more of the song. I yeah. wish they play more of the song. Yeah. At some point, I'm thinking, just play the fucking song for Ozzy. He wants to fucking hear it. I you know. know. Like, we don't have to do this. Just play it and again. We, We're all cool. We got all day to be. I'll stay here till fucking midnight if you want. A hundred percent. And we would have got to hear the album again, which would have been great. <laughs> you know? So it was really cool. So everybody wrote questions and turned them in. And right away, we're sitting there and the album starts. I mean, the show starts and Billy goes right away. All right, we're going to take our first audience question. And that's Dan. I don't even think I moved at first. Didn't he say my name again? <laughs> now, let me be clear. Dan was the first one. Everyone's question didn't get asked. There was like 30 people. There was probably five questions I asked. And then there were some questions asked by the Sirius XM DJ. So, of course, they're going to get yeah. their questions asked, right? Agreed. So, there was like five, maybe six of us got to ask questions. And Dan gets to fucking go right off the bat. First right one, off the right bat. Off the yeah. Game. Billy's like, Dan, you're up. And I was like, uh, does he mean me? I kind of froze for a second. Then he said, Dan. And then I raised my hand. And then the guy 
walked over to me with the microphone and he hands me the microphone. Well, they took our cards. So I was like, fuck, I got to remember the question I wrote down, which I did, but it would have been nice to read it. And then I was like, oh, my card? Because I saw he had it in his hand and then he flipped it. Unfortunately, I still had my mask on. After me, I think he told everybody to take their mask off. So that's the one negative about going first. But just so you guys know, my question was, let me just put this perfectly clear. I could have asked a detailed question about the x-ray sessions or about Rasputin or about, I did it all for you, but I knew that wasn't going to get asked. I knew it had to be specific about patient number nine. So I stand up and I'm like, congratulations on an amazing album. This means the world to me. And I'm probably shaking a little bit. I mean, I was nervous. I mean, Ozzy is staring right at me while I'm talking, you know, I mean, it's an intimate setting. And my question was, even though it's the same writing team and producing team, this album sounds completely different from Ordinary Man. And we will get into that. Was that intentional or did the songwriting process just, you know, how did that work where it became so different? So asking specifically about the album and comparing it to Ordinary Man, I think it was just a really good question. So I got picked first. And Ozzy kind of answered right away, looked at me for about a minute, eye to eye, and was really talking about how much he loves working with Andrew and how it's Andrew makes him feel very comfortable. It's easy to write with him. It's easy to record with him. And he has a great time. And anybody that knows, that's what's really the most important thing to Ozzy. Ozzy doesn't remember the songs. Ozzy remembers the process and if he enjoyed making the album, a la No More Tears. He loved it hated making osmosis so he don't like it as well so that's just the reality of ozzy so ozzy loves working with andrew so he didn't really answer my question specifically but andrew did later and he basically said ozzy pushed him to not be so verse chorus verse chorus solo bridge ozzy really wanted to change it up with the structures and ozzy continually pushes him to not make it so formulaic yeah and we'll just go ahead and throw out there dan to pile on what you're saying as Andrew was describing that later on, he kept using the song No More Tears as a guide. Ozzy wanted songs like No More Tears, like the song No More Tears, and that style of song. But this is what we call epics, right? Yeah, Ozzy wanted absolutely. some epics. Not in those words, we're paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he was saying, that Ozzy wanted some epics. And it was so cool. And I just want to tell listeners, we're in this room, and it's like I said, it's not very big. And as much as Ozzy moves, shakes, stutters, looks around, I mean, we all know how he is. It would amaze you how when Dan asked him this question, the eye contact was like laser beamed. It really was. It was laser beamed. Like they're having a conversation like there's no one else in the fucking room. Yeah. Period. He makes you feel like that. Like that, no for question. sure. And when Dan sat down, I'm like, dude, that was fucking awesome. Like Ozzy was honed in on you. Like he fucking like, like that wasn't vague. Like he was talking directly to you and no one else in the room. And right. that was pretty fucking cool. Even though really Dan was kind of asking Andrew Watt in a weird way. <laughs> I was <laughs> absolutely a bit more of a yeah. Watt question, but luckily like I said, Watt answered it later. So yeah, so that was really cool. So I was just so grateful that I was one of the first questions. I was the first question asked. So then I would say maybe a half an hour later, we get Josh. Is there Josh? We'd like to see a question. Oh, that would be me. Yeah. So fucking not only did I get my question, they even asked Josh. So how sweet and special is it that we both got asked you to talk? You know, that was it. Like you said, five to six questions from audience members. Tops. Yeah. Because they let serious XM DJs ask a question each. Yeah. And there was about five of those. And then they had about five from the audience and that was it. And Dan was one and I was the other. And from the best I can remember, I stood up and not within reach of the guy with the microphone. So I got to hold the mic and he's like, pull your mask down. So I pull my mask down. 
And Ozzy, like we said earlier, is directly in front of us. From what I recall, I did congratulate them on creating a marvelous record. I said, you know, we love the record. You guys, congratulations. It's, it's awesome. We love it. And I believe I looked directly at Andrew and said, Andrew, thank you for taking care of Ozzy yeah. and for bringing these records to us and for taking care of him and getting them out and pushing him to do a couple new records, man. They're great. We love them. And then I directed my question back to Ozzy. I said, Ozzy, you know, over the years, you've always said that you like to strike while the iron's hot. And when you're writing songs, if it's flowing, you want to keep writing and keep writing. And before you even released Ordinary Man, you said you had new songs written for a follow-up record. That being said, is there any chance of another album with Andrew Watt and has anything been written? To which point, Ozzy hones in on my eyes, <laughs> like we talked about earlier. His eye contact, really, I like. I love eye contact anyway. I like when somebody can look me in the face and talk to me. I really was blown away how he spoke to us so directly. Yeah. And he said, sure, absolutely. We, we've already uh, worked on a few things. And uh, yeah, would I like to do another record with Andrew? Of course. And then Andrew just leans to his mic and grabs it and goes, Fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, and the room just started cheering. You know, that was like, awesome. Yet another album might be coming from Andrew Watt and Ozzy. And I, if this one Ozzy said they've one, already worked on a yeah. couple songs, didn't he, Dan? So. He did. I think this is going to happen, man. I really do. Ozzy can't tour. I'm sorry. Just by looking at him, I'd be shocked if we ever see him on stage again. But he had also said something earlier like somebody said, Ozzy, thank you for all the songs or something like that. And he was like, that's my job. I really think Ozzy thinks. That's what he has to do is make music. Mm -hmm. Thank fucking God that he yeah. feels that way. He really did, man. He, I remember that. That was a great moment. That, I mean, what, I don't know what else to do. I never wanted to work a nine to five. Right. And it's, it's my job. And I never wanted to make a bad album. You know, I, I hope they're all good. And I, I think this is a good one. I hope you guys like it. Yeah, he was he was great, man. Ozzy was fucking great. How weird is it we both kind of blacked out a little bit during our question? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, just think about it. We both kind of blacked out. I had mine written and he did reach me my card. I got, I still have the card, but I kind of didn't read it. I kind of dismembered what I wrote and went for it, you know, and I'm glad I thanked Watt for everything because honestly, I could kiss the motherfucker's feet. Like anyone that would bang on this cat, if you're an Aussie fan, God damn, just shut up. Right. He's brought us two amazing albums. You've not heard the second one yet. Let me and Dan tell you, we'll spoil this much. Amazing. He's then brought us two amazing albums, possibly a third. And think about this. Think about this. So if they're already working on number three, we all know Ozzy's moving to England. That could probably very likely be more Tony Iommi, just for the record. It could yeah. be the Iommi Osborne album that Dan's been talking about for the past week that he's just been jacking <laughs> off. That's right. Of. Be I mean, who knows, right? It could be bigger and better. So it was really great, though, to be in the presence of those guys and be in such a small atmosphere with them. The question and answer session, the listening party was like two hours, hour 45. It was pretty long, and it was fucking awesome. And Zach Wild was cracking jokes. And they were some of your typical Zach, but a lot of them were actually not your typical. Zach was very much on the funny side of, of the thing. It was funny. And one thing that Dan and I really got a kick out of, Andrew kept on going on about Zach's playing and how yeah. great Zach's playing was on the record. And it, we will get to that. <laughs> Trust yeah. us. I mean, Andrew was just blown Ooh. away by the playing. It's fucking amazing. We're going to get to Zach's so, playing. And I got chill up saying that yeah. for what that means to you. It was pretty awesome. Every time we'd, they'd play the 15 second song and then play the 15 second ending. So, you know, it looked like we'd come back in from hearing the song. Every time it was a Zach Wilde song, Andrew was like, let's play the solo. I want to hear the solo. You know, which you guys aren't going to hear when you hear the special, but they'd find the solo, they'd play it. Andrew and would get his phone out and find it and go, go yeah, three minutes, 12 three seconds. Minutes, three yeah, minutes, yeah, exactly. Seconds. And he would just play along with the notes and it was fucking amazing to watch how much he genuinely loves 
Zach's playing. Mm-hmm. And Zach has already said this in the media, but they were trading files back and forth. And then Zach finally said, dude, why don't you come up to the Vatican for two days and we're going to knock this fucking record out. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. Andrew went over to Zach's place and they played the record for two days straight. Zach just knocked it out. The song that he loved, by the way, is Nothing Feels Right. The guitar solo is spectacular. Andrew's sitting there, just air guitar. And again, like Dan said, he's so infectious with his energy. What people may not realize, you, you think the solo's over, then there's one more little bend. Right, that, that little bend right there, it's like, oh, this is so fucking good. you know. And he's just loving Zach. And the thing that Dan kept commenting on was Zach, who's Mr. Goofball. You know, he's always cracking oh, yeah. jokes. When they would play those solos back, Dan kept commenting. He said, like, watch Zach hone in. He was just listening so intently. He's not heard these solos in years. This album right. was recorded two years ago. We all know that. And Zach would listen so close. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think he but, was listening to see what he played. Like, he doesn't yeah, remember what he played. Yeah, he don't like, oh, I wonder what it. I did here. And you could tell he was not the do your power squats and bench press Zach. He was listening so intently, like, the fuck did I do on this one? And then mm-hmm. Andrew would just be next to him going, oh, my God, you know, that vibrato. You, Andrew you know, knows every fucking increment. Every inch of mm-hmm. every part of this record. He's just mm-hmm. really musically. This is Andrew's record. No question. Yeah, for sure. So somebody did ask a question about working with Tony and Ozzy does talk a lot about that, how they just know each other. Like Ozzy knows, hey, Tony would want me to sing here. He won't want me to sing there. And Ozzy was so sweet. He's like, I think we've done this a long time. You know, we've, we've written together before. Yes, a really sweet. Say funny ass moment one yeah. of my favorite comments that he did what was it like to work with tony well we've, we've written together before <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i think we, i think we know each other because andrew would be like on no escape from now don't sing over that and i was like no 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 tony would want me to sing there little things like that was really cool but one of the things that really struck josh and i is ozzy said very specifically and we have a feeling it's going to get cut out of the show he speaks to two members of black sabbath regularly i speak to bill all the time and i speak to Tony quite frequently. I have not talked to Geezer since our last show together. And I don't know what's up with him. And that kind of blew us away. Now, Dan paraphrased that because, you know, we heard it in real time and we didn't write it down. But I'm going to tell you, listeners, he paraphrased that almost perfectly. And Ozzy said it very disturbingly, like, and Geezer, I don't know what the fuck's up with him. Something of that effect. And it was like powerful. It was like, oh, We've had a feeling, I think we've even mentioned on the show, that maybe Geezer was the one that didn't want to, you know, any more Sabbath records together and wanted to end it. We've all kind of felt that way. I kind of felt like Geezer was even stepping away in a lot of ways. But to say, I've not heard from him since the last show, you know, they done that thing after the show, the Angelic Sessions or whatever. That was the next day. Pretty much since then, Ozzy and Geezer haven't spoken. I'm not throwing shade at Geezer. We don't know the situation, but Ozzy's been really fucking sick, man. Like the whole world's been worried about Ozzy. You would think a text here or there wouldn't be too far out of the question. And it seemed like Ozzy feels that way also. He's kind of disappointed that he's not heard from Geezer at all. Yeah. And he but, even did say he's, he heard from the other two after his surgery. Yeah. yeah. On a bright note, how much he has been talking to Bill. Yeah, right? exactly. Right I when he said that frequently, we thought right away he talks to Tony and Geezer and him and Bill still, but it wasn't that at all. It was, I talked to Bill frequently. I talked to Tony all the time. It's Geezer. And I wonder if Geezer's talking to Tony. That's the question I'd like to know. My gut feeling is yes, but I, I wonder. My gut feeling is yes also. And what was wild, uh, I'm going to fast forward to touch, but we're going to back up. After the event, Dan and I go to a Mexican restaurant to eat. We haven't ate all day. And Jose Mangan walks in. He's like our guy now. He's following us yeah. around, right? And he's like, hey, my podcasting buddies and, and this and that. Before we left, I said, Jose, appreciate you getting our bill. You know, and we're just kind of fucking off. And I said, man, 
I brought it up to him. I said, did you hear what Ozzy said about Geezer? And Jose's like, I don't, what, what was it again? And I was like, and me and Dan kind of went over again what he said. And he's like, oh shit, he did say that. And we're like, yeah, he's like, that's crazy. That's huge news. He's like, I said, that'll be on Blabbermouth before long. He said, yeah, it'll come from your podcast. And be on Blabbermouth <laughs> at the end of the that. week. And we're like, well, let's hope because we don't have proof that it was said until the special airs unless they cut that part out. But Ozzy did. did indeed say that. Yeah. We asked Jose if they would cut that out. And he said, he actually said, probably not. We, who knows? It may be in there, but we were very disappointed to hear that him and Geezer haven't spoken. You know, the farewell was 2017. And we know Geezer did not want to do another record where Tony and Ozzy did. Like, Ozzy did not want to go back out on tour without a record. And I think Tony felt the same way. But Geezer squashed it. He did not want to do yeah. another record. We've already hit number one all over the country. What else can we do better than that? That was yeah. his quote he had said somewhere, you know. So so that was a bit of a downer moment. But like we said, kind of an upper that him and Bill apparently have a really great relationship going. And we knew that the relationship with Tony's the best it's been maybe ever. We, are, we all already knew that. All right. So before we go track by track, and we're going to get started here to tell you guys how amazing this record is. Josh, why don't you and I just talk real quick about 50-foot view of the album as a whole without naming songs. Okay. What is your overall impression of the record? Okay, so if I had to sum up the record in one word, the word is driving. The album does not let up. It is powerful. So like Ordinary Man, I love Ordinary Man. It's Ozzy's best record since Osmosis. I love the song Ordinary Man. I believe I listed it as his greatest song since Osmosis, I believe. You did. I love a ballad. This album does not do the sappy. I'll go ahead and tell you. If you were not a fan of the song Ordinary Man with Elton John, it was too sappy for you, well then guess what? This album is for you because it fucking drives. Two ballads, but they are not your traditional so ballad. They're not. This is where you and I differ, though, and I want to get that on record. We, we will do yeah, that, okay? We do differ. We, we'll, we'll definitely we'll debate that a little. Yeah. I didn't hear any traditional mom i'm coming home style ballad i didn't hear a life won't wait i didn't hear a dreamer i didn't hear a ordinary man i did hear a holy for tonight which i fucking love everybody knows and that's like dan's favorite song from the fucking record we love holy for tonight i did hear some similarities to some songs like that but there was no traditional this album essentially 12 tracks dark side blues we'll get to that later it drives the entire time dan your initial thoughts so I agree. Driving is a great word. It's very riff oriented. And I will tell you this, if you love guitar playing, you're going to love this record. And that's yes. something that really stood out to me, which is all of these guys do a, a fucking bang up job on the record. I think Zach brings a shit ton to the record, even on the songs he's not playing lead in just his vibe and his rhythms really add a heaviness to this record. But I agree. This record rocks. I feel like it's, on par with no more tears and osmosis. And that's a, that's a big, big saying right there. I mean, that's big words. And let's be but clear. I, it's one listen. But one listen. One listen. I thought Ordinary Man was his best record since osmosis, like Josh. And this is considerably better for me. Only because there's consistency. There was not one song on this record that I thought, eh, not great. And there's probably four on Ordinary Man that I either don't like, don't like in the world of Ozzy, which I still love. Of course, I'll throw that caveat out there, but not great Aussie songs. There's about four for me on Ordinary Man. Nothing like that on this record. And I will say, I disagree with Josh. I do think there is one standard ballad, very much like Dreamer on the record. So we differ on that. And we've only heard it once. So I'm dying to hear it again to see whose memory is hitting it right. But overall, spectacular. I'm not overselling this, guys. Spectacular. And I hate to get everyone's 
you know, expectations higher. Cause I know we're already so excited anyway, but I mean, on one list and Dan and I both were like, this is just a better fucking record than ordinary man. Like Dan said, the key word is consistency. So for me right now, I don't think patient number nine is quite as good as under the graveyard. I think it's really close, but it's not quite. I still take straight to hell over degradation rules. We differ. That's just me. Yeah. We differ on that. But that said, like Dan said, patient number nine as an album doesn't have the lows that ordinary man had. There's no, it's a raid. There's no eat me. There's no goodbye. Um, goodbye. Goodbye. I love these guys. That one could have honestly, that's not great. Right. It's track three. I'll never fucking understand that. But anyway, it's beside the point. That's off topic. It just doesn't have those lows. It just does. We were sitting there listening track after track after track. And it was just like, you know what? Like Dan said, there's just not a bad song yet. And Dan said this, but I want to piggyback it and really pound it in. If you love guitar playing, fasten your fucking seatbelt because God damn, the guitar playing is fucking all over it. And I'll go ahead and tell you, in my opinion, our man Zach Wilde leads the fucking charge. Yeah, no question. He is stellar on this record. He's fucking great. I got chill bumps saying it. He's fucking great. People that love Zach and say he's been gone. Welcome him back. He's about to tear your fucking head off. I agree. I think everybody does a spot on job, man. Every song I was like, fuck, the guitar playing is great. Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, Mike McCready, and Josh Homey, which is more news, but we'll get to that when the song comes. Yeah. And of course, Tony, you've already heard on Decoration Rules, ripping your fucking head off on that track, right? On that solo. So the guitar playing is fucking over the top. All right. So let's get to it. Track by track. Our version of the album started with Immortal. And before I go to Josh on his thoughts, I just want to let you know, Immortal is written about vampires. It is not about Ozzy. We just assumed it was how he's immortal. It's definitely written about vampires. Josh, you've been raving about this track since the minute we heard it. Why don't we tell our listeners a little about it? So I will go ahead and go on record as saying for me, it was the standout track of the day. Immortal for me should have been the lead single. I do understand what patient number nine was because the feel of the song, the album title, so on. So I get it. Immortal is fucking, when I say driving, it tops the fucking list of fucking driving. This song is so up-tempo, so so much energy. It sounds like a radio smash. It just does. If it's not the next single, I don't know what to say because it should be. Mike McCready's guitar playing, we'll get to that in a little bit. Phenomenal guitar solo. Andrew Watt did say during, I'll get to it right now, I guess. Andrew Watt did say during the uh, forum that his guitar solo was written days after Eddie Van Halen died and the Eddie spirit was in the room. So it's dive bombish. It's fucking, it sounds like, I'll tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like Brad Gillis to me. Yeah. It's, it's got a it's weird got, effect on the guitar too. Yes, yeah. It's got like a Brad Gillis like a flange, tone. but he was channeling his inner Eddie Van Halen, which you know we all can love. So what me and Dan have decided to do is we're just going to kind of read the notes we jotted down on these songs. So to be honest with you, we really can't remember them, how they sounded directly anymore. Oddly, Immortal for me, which we heard it twice after I requested to hear it again, I did dream about it two nights later and actually remembered some of the song, which was fucked up. And Dan's like, that's it. You're right. And I will share anything we say on this podcast. It's going to be so vague because we simply have heard the album one time and we jotted notes. I don't think we're going to spoil anything for anybody. Just so you guys, if you're uncomfortable with that, I think you're safe. I will say every episode, I have a moment where I sing. So here it goes. The Immortal Riff is something to the effect of this. Something to that effect, right, Dan? Yeah, it's spot on. 
That, yeah. that, matter of fact, that could have been the actual recording. Who knows? Maybe I did get a phone in. <laughs> and uh, the key line of the song, which I loved was, and I wrote it down, people will come and go, but I'll never die because I'm immortal. I'll tell you what, I got chill bumps yet again just saying those words. And as we're listening, I'm like, Ozzy is the fucking man. Ordinary Man was all about his immortality. You know, when he recorded Ordinary Man, he thought he was dying. He's, he's went well on record saying that. I was like, this track, he knows I'm back. I'm not going anywhere. And then five minutes into the question and answer, he says, yes, yeah, about vampires. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's not about him after all. So first things first, Ozzy sounds fucking incredible on this record. He just does. I mean, he sounds great on degradation rules and he sounds great on patient number nine. He sounds that consistent and that good throughout the whole record. You could clearly hear the difference, especially since dark side blues is on this, but between ordinary man, Ozzy and patient number nine, Ozzy, his voice is just stronger. He's more confident and it really shines through. His melodies are fantastic. Matter of fact, I think this is the most Beatlish melodies he's ever had on a record. So here are my notes. It starts off with a cool bass intro. This song has Mike McCready, but it's mainly Andrew, Chad Smith, and Duff McKagan plays bass on this one. So it starts off with this really cool little bass groove. And then that riff kicks in that Josh was talking about. Ozzy sounds great. Zach is doing some great bends in it. It's just got a great groove and a great tempo. You're going to bang your head to the song. That's why it should be a single. It would be a great live staple if Ozzy was playing live. There's a lot of effects on Mike McCready's guitar solo. The chorus is fucking amazing. And I do have a no chill bumps when I heard the song. It's just catchy as a fuck. Yeah, my notes say, and I underlined it, chills the entire song. I admitted on Degradation Rules, it took a few listens. Like, I'm honest. Sometimes it takes a listener to. This one, fucking instant and i wrote my notes say energy groove instant classic this is gonna be the song that i may be overhyped sorry if i overhype it i fucking love this was my takeaway of the day i loved this fucking track loved it. all right up next was patient number nine which we're not going to go into detail since it has been released and everybody's heard it it's a great one-two punch the one thing i will say about patient number nine which was really cool during the show rob trujillo wrote that intro on 12 string bass andrew watt was talking a little bit about this I thought that was a really cool little fact to find out. Andrew was like, shit, this is too long to not have Ozzy, the man, on the record. So Ozzy went into the studio and said, all right, hit play, says and does his track. And he goes, hey, roll it back. I want to add something else. He does another take. Then he says, hey, roll it back one more time. He does another take. And that is the intro. That's it. Three takes, and it's exactly what we hear, and it just was Ozzy coming up with it yeah. spon spontaneously. And then Zach's joking. He's like, this is what I hear from the dressing room every night. Mommy, mommy. Yeah, that <laughs> like was funny. I'm not used to, you know, so it, very neat. And that, the intro's a 12-string bass. That's pretty fucking cool. All right, so Stuff up after know. that is Parasite, and I fucking loved this one. I think this one was on par with Immortal, personally. It is a heavy fucking driving riff. It is incredible. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I thought the riff had a very Pantera groove to it. It sounded drop down. I remember it had a kind of a dun, 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 dun as it kicked in, you know, moment. Uh, my notes just say groove. Ozzy sounds A plus. Drop down. Very, very poppy chorus. Sounds Sabbathy in the verses. Then a line of the song says, haunting me at night like a parasite. I wrote that down. Zach slamming but tasteful. The bridge is an A plus. Also, one other note we were told by Jose Mangan earlier in the day that Parasite is a track that Taylor Hawkins plays on. 
Yeah, that, that's awesome. So that's one of the three he is on. So Taylor Hawkins is on Parasite. This song is written about a serial killer and getting in the mind of a serial killer. We also did learn that. I wrote that lyric too, Why You Haunting Me Every Night Like a Parasite. Great lyric. This one's heavy as shit. Zach does the lead on this one, and it's a shredder. Ozzy has a great Beatles melody in, in the song. I fucking loved his melodies. It's got a great tempo, and there's real riffs. And if you guys have heard us on this show before, one of the things I bitch about is sometimes modern Ozzy doesn't have riffs. There's a lot of riffs on this record. So that's something I really loved about that. Super heavy bridge. It has a great breakdown and great lyrics. Awesome song. I really think this could be a single as well. It could be. Th- this album has potential for five or six singles if they yeah. pushed it that hard. It really does. Kind of like Osmosis. Like yeah. Well, like we said earlier, it's just there's a, they're on par. There's a consistency. So that brings us to track four, which is the Tony Iommi written No Escape From Now. And, of course, all of us have been just on pins and needles waiting to hear this track. Dan, what were your initial thoughts on No Escape From Now? So this one is an epic. There are three epics on this record. Patient number nine. And No Escape From Now is already the second epic, and we're on track four, and two epics are already in. So this one takes a lot of twists and a lot of turns. It's got to at least be seven minutes, which is fucking great. I totally understand why there's not a single on this one, because it just isn't a single. Too much of an adventure to be a single, and I understand why it wasn't chosen. So it kind of starts off with this cool acoustic intro, and Ozzy's got this really cool swirling effect on his voice, and it bridges the song. It starts with the song. And ends with the song. And then kind of in between, it it kicks into this really heavy riff. And right away, I wrote, fuck, this is very similar to the Take Me Home riff. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with Take Me Home, that's one of the tracks that made it on the end that was left off of 13. It's got a great groove, and it's super, super heavy. It is a great 13-ish riff. The verses definitely sound like Take Me Home. There's a great breakdown that very much sounds like the Beatles. It has a lot of different changes, which I loved. I loved the chorus and the song. And then about three quarters of the way through, the whole song completely changes. And we get this great up-tempo Tony riff that is very similar to like the ending of God is Dead. So it's kind of like a cross between Take Me Home meets God is Dead. It just slams. And then the riffs keep changing. I'm writing a riff, another riff, and another riff. Tony really did an amazing job writing this. The ending is spectacular. I believe there's three Tony guitar solos in the song. So he's all over it. And Chad Smith kills on the drums. He's playing a great double kick at the end. And I just think the song, it's a journey. It starts low, but it ends explosive. It's perfect. So this was the only moment during the whole listening part of that for a minute, I was kind of like, oh, a little underwhelmed. And that was the first few minutes of this track because it is slow. Ozzy has the underwater voice, kind of like the Planet Caravan style. And I was just kind of like, nothing wrong with that. I love that. I wanted a slamming song. I just really hoped for this slamming Black Sabbath tune. Fortunately, a little bit into it, that did happen. And all of a sudden, I'm writing in all caps on my notes. (laughs) And my all caps say midsection equals amazing. Sounds like God is dead. So me and Dan agree on that. Kind of a mid-tempo song for the most part. The chorus was very poppy. Actually, I wrote poppy pre-chorus. There's a couple of ah yeahs in there. Those moments that we all love from the Sabbath classics. There's a moment where Ozzy sings Go Insane and I wrote equals God. So apparently he said that or sung that really beautifully the way he delivered it. And there's a moment where Ozzy says, I said, somebody suck me. Dan says it says stop me. It probably does say stop. We only yeah. heard it. Actually, we heard this one twice. But and I do I think it, it was stop. Me. 
Yeah. Yeah. So somebody stopped me. There's a moment in there that's very Sabbath-esque that we all fucking love. And I wrote down a line from the song that says, every time you pray to your God, you're going to hear my name. Great line. Great. Right. And then my last notes just say fist pumping solo outro has the water Aussie effect fist pumping. So this was the track I was pumping my fist to. And Jose was pumping his fist to during the listening party. We both love that one. When this song was playing, Jose walked back into the room to hear it better. Yeah, absolutely. And asked for them to turn it up, which they never did, unfortunately. So up next, we have one of those days, which I believe is going to be the next single. This one features Eric Clapton. Josh, what's your take? Initial takes were. It's very Eric Clapton. He's all over it. A lot of clean picking. Definitely sounds like traditional Eric Clapton guitar playing. Unmistakable. My notes just say slow intro, very poppy chorus. There's kind of a theme here, very poppy choruses for sure throughout the record. Key line, one of those days that you don't believe in Jesus. Obviously, Ozzy has went on record several times as saying that Eric Clapton had an issue playing on a track because it mentioned Jesus in it. And that's kind of been well, well known. So the track ends with Ozzy singing, don't believe in Jesus. No, no, don't believe in Jesus. No, no. Pretty confidently, Dan and I believe that is the moment Eric really had an issue with because the title track says one of those days you don't believe in Jesus. But the ending just keeps repeating, don't believe in Jesus. No, no. And I think that might have been where Eric had his issue. Eric does play some classic Eric Clapton wall wall. And I see Clapton is all over it with the feels. My last note on this song at the bottom of it just says jacking off. <laughs> awesome. So I agree. This one is really, really killer. It kind of starts out ballady and then it just gets moving. You know, something like a ghost behind my eyes. I'm not comparing it to mm-hmm. that song, but that type of vibe. Clapton's playing is brilliant. And Andrew Watt talked about this, that he kept texting Eric Clapton, use a wah, use a wah. And then Eric Clapton wasn't responding. So finally he mailed him one, you know, yeah, like, yeah, I thought that was a great story. It like, was rolling when they were telling that story. Yeah, they mailed Eric a wah, wah battle. <laughs> so I wrote that this is insanely catchy in the chorus. I believe that outro is one of my favorite parts and it's kind of got that see you on the other side outro. I think that's something that's really cool about this record. He's got some outros again. Nothing as great as I just want you or see you on the other side because his voice just isn't what it used to be. But he's got some of those cool outros where he's vamping at the end. That's some of my favorite things that Ozzy does. So instead of being cookie cutter and just repeating the chorus, he's adding those little special nuances that take the songs to a whole nother level. And one of those days definitely has that. It has a great chorus. And I wrote in the notes, my wife would like this song. So it's pretty catchy and poppy. So that takes us into the next track, which was A Thousand Shades. Dan, go ahead and start us off. What was your thoughts on A Thousand Shades? So this is Jeff Beck's second track. This is the one Josh and I have a little bit of a difference on. This one, to me, is Beatles 1 million percent, and it's very reminiscent of a Dreamer-type song. That's my recollection. This is one of the ballads on the record. Jeff Beck's playing is a little better on this one than on Patient Number 9 for me. He feels a little bit more natural. Like this is more of his wheelhouse and his guitar playing is great. There's piano on the song. This one I wrote fucking brilliant chills. Ozzy sounds amazing. And here's one of the refrains. I look up to the sky, but the sun never shines. I'm waiting. That's like the refrain. That's great lyric. This one doesn't have a bridge, but it's got a lot of orchestration on it. So this one to me is kind of the dream or ordinary man track on the record. And I will say one of the stories they told that I loved is Jeff Beck really pushed himself. He sent the guitar tracks to them four times. And every time he'd send it to him, he'd say, I could do it better. Let me replay it. I could do it better. Let me replay it. He wanted to make sure that he did his absolute best for Ozzy. 
And to me, that just skyrocketed my respect for the guy where he was that worried about making sure that he performed up to Ozzy's expectations. And to me, that was great. But this one, one of my favorites on the record. Here is what's so funny about myself and Dan and myself. I've argued him since we've heard the album. I don't think there was really any ballads. He's like, oh, there was kind of two. And I'm like, yeah, there's kind of two, but there's no traditional ballad. I'm looking at my notes. I wrote A Thousand Shades ballad. <laughs> you fuck it i've been telling you ballad <laughs> and beside of it i wrote beatles as shit so there was a line in the song that that spoke to me and this line is walking on a dream of broken glass that's great fucking cool what a great line the catch kind of says a thousand shades of darkness which is what i kind of wrote I, I think that would have been a better song title also if they had just called it a thousand shades of darkness yeah but my notes just say I'm not a pussy, but I'm kind of a pussy. I legit cried as the solo came in. As I've mentioned on the show before, I cry. I'm a puss. I've, I cried everything. My kids make fun of me all the time. I choke up. I tear up. When this song was playing, I mean, God damn it, a tear. <laughs> like, cried. Matter of fact, my buddy Dan reached over and rubbed my shoulder for a second. It's kind of gave me a little a little rub. Like, nothing, nothing creepy. Just like, hey, dude. I see you there. <laughs> right. This Absolutely. song caught me. It caught me more than I realized until I'm reading my notes right here. I kind of forgot how much it caught me till just now, actually. But yeah, it it was great. And then I wrote Jeff Beck A+. He was much better on this than page number nine. I agree with you, Dan. All right. So up next, we go to side three on the vinyl. And just so everybody's clear, side three is all Zach Wilde. So the next three songs is our main man, Zach Wilde. So the first track on side three brings us to Mr. Darkness. What do you got, Josh? So they addressed side three being all Zach Wilde, and Zach had the wittiest comment of, oh, that's perfect. That way listeners can just skip all fucking three of them. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> Makes it easy for the listeners. They can just skip the whole damn entire side. But that said, Mr. Darkness is Taylor Hawkins also on drums. Dear Mr. Darkness, I write to you again, opens the song. So this appears to be a letter from Ozzy to someone about his, I would say, depression, his mental illnesses, whatever. There is definitely a theme of mental illness on the record that Dan and I will talk more about, I guess. But it's a theme throughout, without question. Would you agree with that, Dan? Definitely, 100%. So I wrote, chorus is up-tempo as shit. So the, the verse is actually kind of slowish. Then all of a sudden, when the chorus kicks in, it goes 90 miles an hour. I also noted and underlined three times, Ozzy walks in the room. So this was the track we were listening to when Ozzy made his first appearance, that he is there, the Prince of Darkness is in the building, and everyone lost their shit. Solo, killer bridge solo. So Zach Wilde is tearing shit up on this song. Then it goes to a beautiful fucking bridge that I really don't remember now how it sounded, but I remember I loved it at the time. And then back into another solo with Zach just fucking ripping the fucking shit out of it. This is what I would consider the third epic on the record. This one takes a lot of twists and turns, and it's got to at least be six minutes long. It's a great fucking song. It reminds me thematically of Paperback Writer by the Beatles. It doesn't sound like that song, but how Paperback Writer is kind of an open letter. And that's what Dear Mr. Darkness. I love that about this. The lyrics are great. One of the lyrics that stood out to me was, most days I wake up wanting to die, but I still try. And I thought that was a really, really cool lyric, kind of talking about what you were talking about, mental illness and a str yeah. life struggle. And I think a lot of that is through this record. It definitely starts off with that slow pick guitar. And then, like Josh said, it fucking the chorus is just really up-tempo. But again, in my notes, I wrote Super Beatles verse. And I'm not joking, guys. I write that a lot listening to this record, and I'm not just saying it. There's a lot of Beatles melodies on this record, for sure. But yeah. definitely the highlight was 
Zach Solo, a fucking killer bridge, and then Zach Solo again. Just like Josh said, it is a highlight. Definitely a highlight on the record. Zach is all over this. Another great Taylor Hawkins track. I loved Mr. Darkness. Again, we are seven songs in, and me and Josh are still like, fuck, every song has been killer so far. Yep. Every song. And this one has a very funny ending that did make the entire crowd laugh out loud. We will not spoil that, but you're going to love it. So that brings us to the next track, which is Nothing Feels Right. Again, Zach Wilde. My notes just say angelic. I remember it just had a very pretty sound. I said ballad-ish, but not really. Very different for Ozzy. Zach's guitar tone is an A+. Great solo. Beatles-ish. I know, Dan, and I keep pounding the Beatles. I think Andrew gets that Ozzy loves these Beatles melodies, and he adds the ahs. It's all those things behind him that make it sound so much like the Beatles. And I think that's part of what makes those two get along so well is that Andrew does understand that. They make these melodies to Ozzy's fandom of the Beatles. There's just a lot of Beatles feel on the melodies in this record. And it's track after track we're saying it, but I can hear it on Nothing Feels Right also. So my notes say Beatles, two exclamation points, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I mean, this one this one is very Beatles. So this one is also mellow to heavy, but not ballady. Again, in that see you on the other side, goes behind my eyes vibe, which are really not ballads. They're just, they have a lot of dynamic to them. So this one, I also mentioned the Beatle Oz. I think this is Zach's maybe best solo on the record. Andrew said that as well. I felt like their chorus was very Beatles revolver era. And I thought that was really, really cool. And the bridge is fucking heavy as shit. And Ozzy has some cool harmonies at the very end of the song. This one also, it's mellow, but I have another note here that says it's still driving. Like we talked about at the beginning, it still has a good drive. It doesn't slow down the feel and vibe of the record. Another great song. So we're now eight songs in and still fucking amazing. Absolutely. So then up next, we have Evil Shuffle. And this is the end of side three, the last Zach Wild track on the record. Josh, what do you think? You know, Evil Shuffle is the track that when I saw the album listing, the track listing, I thought, now that one could be stupid. Like, But, you know, I also thought Scary Little Green Man could be stupid. I fucking love that song. So yeah. you just never know. Yeah. Evil Shuffle is the one, if you're a Black Label Society head, this is going to be your track. It opens heavy as fucking goat balls. Would you agree the heaviest song on the record? Yes. Yeah. I would say like Stronger Than Death by Black Labels. What It I, opens like... Dun, 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 dun. I was just like under the sun heavy. Yes. Boom, just super fucking It's heavy. Black Label-ish as shit. So my notes say heavy. Three exclamation points. BLS intro. War pig style verses. Great choruses. Playful and fun. This song is clearly about sex. Great bridge. And Zach is shredding some guitar solos again. I can't overstate how great his playing is, man. If you're a Zach Wild fan, you're going to be in love with this record. Just no fucking question. So I put heavy as fuck with two exclamation points. This one's really heavy. I beat you by one exclamation point, I know motherfucker. You did. So this one, I also put War Pigs stops in the verses. So the cool thing about this one is Zach is playing along with Ozzy's melody underneath him during the stops. So that's another thing they talked about on the show, which is Zach said, hey, we've already done the War Pigs thing before. You guys even did it on the last record. Why don't we do something a little different? So first he wrote a riff behind it and he said, ah, it's stepping on Ozzy. So then he decided, well, let me play Ozzy's melody on the guitar and follow him. And it sounds eerie and incredible and adds so much to the song. Yeah, I love it. His 
the tipper that song needed to make it slightly different. It, it's a fucking, it's a banger, man. Fans are going to fucking love this one. No question. So I wrote great melody, killer bridge, and the bridge is very Beatlesque. So even on a song that's heavy as shit, the bridge has still got some Beatle vibes in it. And then I wrote cool outro solo because the whole song stops and Zach keeps shredding. It's actually a really cool moment on the record. Zach fucking owns this album, man. I'm telling you guys, we all seen Tony Elm and was like, oh, including me. And don't get me wrong, Tony leaves his fucking mark. Jeff leaves a mark. Eric leaves a mark. Zach Wild fucking owns this record. You're, wait till you hear it. You're going to see. So that brings us to the next track, Degradation Rules. We won't go into too much detail about this one because you've all heard it. You know the song. But we did learn some interesting facts about it. One particular really interesting fact about Degradation Rules. We had a question answered during the the Q&A. Dan, fill the listeners in on what I'm talking about. Yeah, so this is big news. To me, this is another big news moment on our show is that is Tony playing the riff. So Andrew wrote it. Andrew wrote it with Chad and Rob, and they sent it over to Tony, and Tony played the riff, kind of changed it up just a smidge. It's just so Sabbath-sounding. And you could just see the grin on Andrew's face, how excited he was. And I can only imagine how giddy he was when he got that back. So this is the first time ever that Tony Iommi's ever played a riff like that where he didn't write. And Andrew even said, Tony told him, I'm not going to play a riff that I didn't write. And then the next thing you know, he did it. And it sounds great. I mean, now that I know that's Tony... It totally sounds like him, which we said, I specifically said, I don't see Tony playing a riff he didn't write. I mean, verbatim. that was my that was my concern. Yeah. And and Andrew addressed it directly. He said, Tony said he would never play a riff that he didn't write, but he did for us. And we yeah. fucking love him for it. Something to that effect was what yeah. he said. And it was like, damn. So, OK, there you go. Tony played someone else's riff that was emulating him. <laughs> so, and he made it his own, which is fucking great. Yeah, so Degradation Rules, great track. We already know about it, so we'll skip on. But yeah, that was definitely a very interesting nugget. I'm glad to hear that for definite. You know, Now we know. So the next track is Dead and Gone. This was a very different song for Ozzy Osbourne, in my opinion. Dan, give me your thoughts, and then I'll follow up with mine. I agree. This is the most different song on the whole record. It starts with this really cool bass and drum intro. This is what my note says. It sounds like an 80s pop song. It is definitely different. The melodies are fucking great, though, in the verses. It's got a great driving tempo, and I love the verses. This is the only note I wrote that's negative, and I hope it changes. The more I listen to the record, I just put OK Chorus. It's got a great verse, though, and a great breakdown and a cool outro. He's doing that vamp at the end again on this song. I loved it because it's just so different. This is the only song on the record that does not have a guest appearance outside of Dark Side Blues. Dan said it sounded like an 80s pop track in his notes. My notes say Billy Idol-ish. Yeah. Perfect. And I think that just nails it. It sounds like a Billy Idol track from 1988, which is I find to be a good thing. I think it's fucking awesome. It's a great thing. Billy Idol-ish. Beautiful mid-tempo. So damn stylish. Very, very different Aussie. Key line of the song says, my heart's beating buried alive. Then I wrote, people are going to fucking love this one. It could be a radio smash. I don't think it's going to be a single, but I'm just saying like... It's just got that sound, that like dance, that '80s pop vibe. This is a kind of a pop song, more than any other on the record for sure. Just a fucking cruising tune, man, like a cruising song. All right, up next we have "God Only Knows," which we believe. So Jose was not 100 percent sure if Taylor plays on "Dead and Gone" or "God Only Knows." He believed it was "God Only Knows." So Taylor's on one of these two tracks. I have it marked as "God Only Knows." So here's another bit of big news. This track. 
does feature Josh Homey from Queens of the Stone Age. And I don't understand why it doesn't say it on the record and why it's not being publicized with all these other guitar players. But Josh Homey is on this track because we originally heard he was on the record. And then all of those features came out and his name was nowhere to be found. So I find it really ironic. Josh, I want to hear your take because I definitely have a take on this one. My notes say slow tempo ballad. Okay, so maybe there is two ballads. I don't fucking know. But maybe my opinion changed as the song wore on. I don't know. This is what my fucking notes say. I can't remember what it sounds like now. The line, the song says, God only knows what's going on. It's clearly about gun violence. When you hear the song, that's not a hidden agenda at all. It's clearly about gun violence. Watching the children play with guns. Beautiful guitar solo that I initially wrote. Beautiful guitar solo by Andrew Watt. Like Me too. That, that Josh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> that Josh is playing, apparently featured on this one. So I guess he's doing the guitar solo. So kind of fuzzy. Beautiful or maybe solo. Josh is playing the rhythms and Andrew still does the lead. We don't know. Yeah, we don't, we're not sure about that. The track kind of ends with fade away, fade away. God only knows what's going on. It's, it's a beautiful song. And like I said, gun violence is something we all can agree on. Whether you're pro guns, not pro guns, whatever. But gun violence fucking sucks. So this one for me might be my favorite song on the record. Shocker. This one. Oh. Yeah, I fucking love this one. This one is very, very Beatle-ish, especially the chorus. I'm still amazed how amazing the chorus is on this song. This one I have in my notes, ballad, but holy for tonight-ish. So yes. not like Mama, I'm Coming Home or Dreamer, more of like a holy for tonight style ballad. It actually, I wrote heavy intro, so I can't wait to hear that again. So it must start heavy before falling into a ballad. Interesting. I put heavy intro ballad-ish, gorgeous melody, Ozzy sounds great, fucking great chorus. I'm telling you, this chorus starts right away. God only knows. It almost reminds me, not that it sounds like it, but like how angelic the Let It Be chorus is by the Beatles on that level. And again, that's a big fucking remark for me to say, but that's how I felt listening to it. Beatles, big time. Ozzy sounds vulnerable. Chills, fucking love this one. One of the best choruses he's ever written. Beautiful Watt solo. Great outro. I fucking loved this one. Awesome. It definitely has the holy for tonight vibe and i picked up on it within 30 seconds and i knew dan was over there jacking off so i gave him some space <laughs> reached him a tissue i felt bad for the guy in front said, of me here you go <laughs> <laughs> i love holy for tonight also it, it definitely feels like holy for tonight part two yeah it has that vibe to it for sure and it's it's a great song man i, I look forward to hearing this one again also it, it's one i want to pay more attention to so the album ends unfortunately with dark side blues Anybody that's a huge Aussie fan is already has this track from the Japanese edition of Ordinary Man. It was the bonus track. Something that we really wanted to learn is, is it the exact same version? Is it a new take on the song, expanded? Because what is it, like two minutes, Josh? If that. And I really thought for sure they were going to expand on it. Yeah, me too. And I've been listening to the fuck out of the original version just so I could hear the differences on, the, on what we thought was going to be a new version. The song starts and me and Josh look at each other. And I'll never forget this moment and go, it's different. It's different because it starts out just a little bit different. And then all of a sudden it kicks in and it's the exact same version of Dark Side Blues, except it's through what I would call a shit ton of reverb, almost like Planet Caravan again. Matter of fact, after that was over, Jose said, man, I want to smoke some pot listening to that one. So it's totally the same song, but just through a whole bunch of effects. Personally, for me, it shouldn't be on the record. Because God Only Knows is brilliant, just like we had the same issue with Ordinary Man. Holy for Tonight should have ended the record. 
it's a raid should have been on the record, but definitely up further. I don't believe Dark Side Blue should even be on this because it's a brilliant record and there's really no space or reason to have this on. And it's already been released. I mean, I, I realize the Japanese only release, but still, you didn't have Hero on fucking No More Tears. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not, you know, it's kind of the same thing. The only thing I can figure is that they want to fill up the side of the record. That's something I can imagine. So, like, hey, we need two minutes to throw Dark Side Blues on there. But like Dan said, it's the same, only it's remixed differently with a shit ton of reverb. The echoey slapback. Here in the mountains, they call it slapback. It doesn't sound as good. It's harder to understand. It's very... I just didn't really understand that at all. And if even if you are going to use it, why, why water it down like that? It was kind of awkward. That was the only setback of the entire event. And, and that's fine. We kind of expected at some point when they first released the album tracks, we were like, like Dan said, fuck yeah, dark side blues completed. And it probably was day two that me and Dan and Ryan were like, fuck, it's going to be the same goddamn version. And sure enough, essentially it is. And that's fine. Whatever. Well, the irony is, it's just not even a great song, but we believe dark side blues was, a way Andrew got Ozzy comfortable during the Ordinary Man session. Pull out your harmonica. We're just going to jam a 12-bar blues. Ozzy, let's just have some fun just to relax him and get him situated. And that's really what the track is to me. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's weird that it's on both albums now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, It's, it's like, not good enough to be on this record. Yeah, it's kind of strange. And, and for this record, it just really, like Dan said, it just simply didn't need it. You know, the, the, the record doesn't let up. And that's just a little tag at the end. You know, it's like fucking 90 seconds or something. So it is what it is. No big deal. But man, all in all, Dan, this record's fucking slamming. Yeah, I couldn't be happier, dude. I mean, this record is amazing. And I will say this. Everybody's like, oh, you got to hear the record. You got to hear the record. Well, let me Let me tell you guys this. I feel personally it's harder now that Josh and I have heard it because we're dying to hear it again. You know, you want to hear it again so bad that it's almost torture. And you're trying I, to I, remember it all the time. Yeah. Like you're trying to remember the tracks and you, you just can't. And now I, we got to wait another five to six weeks to finally hear it again. It was yeah. great. I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. Part of me now that we've heard it, it's, it's definitely difficult not being able to hear it again. Yeah, it is. I know poor pitiful us, right? <laughs> Everyone's listening. That's going, you motherfuckers. Oh, poor, pitiful guys. Oh, I hate that for you. So that was it, man. And the event was over, and we were so excited. And they asked us to go ahead and remain in our seats until Ozzy and the guests left the room. They all left. And it was there was one moment where my heart literally fell out of my chest when Ozzy stood up and fell back in his chair. You know, and Fuck. I was like, oh, God. I know. I think the whole room went... <gasps> Yeah, don't yeah. do that, Ozzy. Thank God he fell right uh, back into his chair. Yeah, and, and to be fair, hell, I'm 42 and do that. So I, yeah. that's nothing. You just don't get your feet under you and you fall back. But it's still with Ozzy and his conditions that scared us to death. And one more thing I want to mention real quick before we sign off. We started chanting Ozzy once the event was over and everyone was starting to leave. And it legitimately embarrassed him. I love that. In a good so way. Much, man. Yeah, in a good way embarrassed him. He was so humbled. This man has had 100,000 people chant his fucking name, but a room of 30 does it. And it humbles him and in a slight way embarrasses him. He looked right. at us like, thank you, but you don't have to do that. Right, Dan? Yeah. It was amazing, actually. It was fucking great. It was one of the highlights of the night. And, and I thought this was awesome. But they gave us a commemorative poster that has the album cover on it. And it has the date of the event. Yeah, it says Sirius yeah. XM Listening Party 72922. Yeah. Sirius XM Listening Party. It's signed by Ozzy and Billy Morrison. Obviously, Josh and I are going to frame them, and we'll take pictures of it when we get them up and framed. But to me, that was maybe one of the highlights for me because it's something that will mark that day forever. 
for sure. I've already had someone try to buy mine. Fuck that shit. I ain't selling that motherfucker. Yeah, there's I'm only so like excited. 30 of them. The people in that room got one. I'm assuming the Sirius XM host may not have got one. I, I bet Jose's got one. Yeah. But that's it. That's all they are. And they're dated to that specific date. I do wish Andrew Watt and Zach would have signed them. They were right there. Yeah, I got no weird. doubt that Ozzy and Billy signed them right before while we were finishing listening to the record. Agreed. I'm assuming they're in there signing them. And so, there's only like 30 of them. So they yeah. could easily sign So them. I'd love to have those guys sign it too. But that said, I am definitely not looking a gift horse in the mouth. We fucking loved it. I love mine so much. I told Dan, I said, there's no way I can fly home with this. So we had to, I had to get my buddy Dan here to mail it to me from Phoenix. Cause I was like, I'm not risking. I'd rather trust the postal service with it than me. So Agreed. I, you know, it, it was beautiful though. And like Dan said, we'll definitely share photos of, of those. Once we get them framed and hung up, we had the time of our life. Sirius XM. Thank you guys for having us out. They thank treated you. first class. It was amazing. I have met Ozzy before. I called it the greatest day of my life. This is day number two. It was truly, truly amazing. And like, it still hasn't sank in. It was like one week ago today that Dan called me and said, we're going, you know, like this is happening. It still hasn't kicked in that it's happened. You know, it happened and we've done it and we've lived it. And now I'm home and it's, I'm, it still hasn't sunk in. Like what a massively cool fucking experience to be in that room with Ozzy listening to that record in a room that small and discussing it with him after it was over. What the fuck is this real life? Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Sirius XM. Thank you, Jose Mangan, for being such a great host. It was great. We met Aussie fans from across the world, which was fantastic. It was an amazing experience, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, I just cannot wait for you guys to hear this fucking record, because yeah. I am not exaggerating. Josh is not exaggerating. This is a great record. And we've got to shout out our buds from Buffalo that was behind us in line right there. They were awesome. Two girls. I can't recall their names. I'm bad with names, but they were cool. And our girl Britt lives down in Orange County, keeping she it real. Awesome. We, we definitely made some buddies and uh, met some new Aussie fans. You know, you're amongst your folks. That's one thing about going to a concert. You're always amongst your folks. Well, when you're in a room with Aussie and 20 or 30 other folks, you're amongst your folks for sure in that room. And it was fucking amazing meeting those people. Everyone was so fucking excited. Everyone was just so excited. It was great. Agreed. Absolutely. So listen, thank you guys for tuning in. What I want to tell you, though, before we wrap up, if we didn't cover something and you have a question about the record, let us know through our social media pages and Josh and I will definitely get on there and answer it for you. Again, I cannot wait and Josh cannot wait to share this experience with you guys once the album comes out. We only have so many left of this and this one is fucking brilliant. And if people are ripping on it, they were never Aussie fans in the first place. Make no fucking mistake about it. Yeah, no doubt. And like Dan said, add us on social media, shoot us your questions. But until next time, guys, we will see you all on the other side. Hey, where'd you go? There you are. Okay, there you are. And it does say starting recording. Daniel yep. is recording the call. There it is. I love it. Right. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne cod, 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 cod cast. <laughs> <laughs> you right. know, every time you say hello, I always think, hello, and welcome to Movie Phone. <laughs> Do you remember that? I do not remember that. Oh my, my movie God. phone was always so boring. It's like, thank you for calling the Riverfield 10. Oh. Now playing at 705.
Ghostbusters. <laughs> there, there was a national company called Movie Phone. So uh-huh. you would call Movie Phone and it would tell you any theater across the country. And he always said, there's a great Seinfeld episode about it too, but hello and welcome to Movie Phone. It's no, great. I didn't, Every I didn't time you say hello, it's Movie Phone. 